0: Uh, it's Heidi here, back at San Diego, Sunday, Survivor Sunday, as we call it. Um, and uh, so far, I survived uh, here in the first, second booth uh, with Clint McElroy. Did I say that right?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Heidi uh, McDonald. Oh, wow. I really, say that right? I'm being, I'm being, I'm at the learning tree here, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and uh, with Carrie Peach. Hello. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, and these are two of the folks behind uh, what probably will be the biggest graphic novel of the year. Uh, the Adventure Zone here, there be Gerblins, and um, if you're in the direct sales market, you might not have heard of this book. But if you're outside of it, you probably know this book is huge. It's been, it was number one on Amazon today. It was announced, not number one in graphic novels, number one, uh, and it's rocketing up in the single digits, right on Amazon. Uh, and uh, if you haven't heard the word, uh, that is because it is based on the Adventure Zone. The uh, immensely popular Dungeons and Dragons podcast, uh, which Clint you are uh, integral to.
1: Yeah, what in the making the, the family and yeah. the graphic novel <laughs> yes, both right. of those. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've been doing the podcast for about three and a half, four years, uh, and and so it's it, it people have really seemed to embrace it. So I've been a lifelong comic book. Fan, and unfortunately for my kids, I foisted on them as well. Um, not
2: just a fan, but a writer, also. Yeah,
1: I wrote. Uh, oh! Well, I am the, uh, the person who wrote the. Adaptation of Three Ninjas Kick Back The comic book adaptation Oh, that's right Classic movie that 17 people saw That's right, yes yeah, So, so uh, uh, yeah,
0: I, I got, you know, I got a
1: pretty good resume you
0: know. <laughs> A distinguished lineage yeah. yes, <laughs> as you would say um, so, so, I mean, you do the podcast with your two sons and uh, oh, three sons. I'm sorry. It oh, is-, is it three? Oh, yes. Uh, well, I was going to say, did you, you know, so when you say you created the family as well, I mean, were you saying I must create a family that has you know three adventuring sons? You know, now, was that your goal? Or uh, the
1: actual, honestly, truly, the only thing I brought to there growing up was uh, comedy and, and always. <laughs> encouraged it always. I, I raised them on the classics, you know, Marx Brothers and and Harold Lloyd and Money Python, and so you know, I was sort of like Doc Savage's dad, you know, <laughs> raising up in uh, to be to be comedy superheroes. Um, so it, yeah, we always encourage creativity. They're always very involved in theater and music and all kinds of writing creative endeavors so uh, they owe everything to me
0: everything <laughs> right so uh, so, but the graphic novel is out now uh, written by Clint Griffin Justin and Travis uh, and with our art by Carrie uh, so Carrie are you do you play D&D I do alright
2: uh, I'm in a D&D, a campaign that started out in D&D 5th edition and then shifted into Dungeon World when the crew I was playing with found ourselves completely incapable of murdering anything. (laughs) So we needed to shift to a format that was a little more conducive to straight up roleplay. I'm also in a Monster Hearts campaign, which is a a system that's kind of there to generate teen supernatural drama. So if you like Supernatural or Teen Wolf, that is absolutely the game for you. But it's actually the Adventure Zone podcast that got me to give tabletop games a try. I had played them in high school, and had some kind of negative, like crummy gatekeeping experience, and never really felt welcome. But um, after listening to the McElroy's take such joy in playing together with each other, and such trust and care in crafting this gorgeous story, um, it really made me see uh, what a magical thing right. it is to get to tell a collaborative story, and made me want to give it a shot. As right? Well. There
0: is something very magical about yeah. it. I come from a family of larpers. Oh, good. I've it's- mentioned this on the podcast a few times, but I, did I mean. Not know. But hardcore LARPers. I mean, like, they have an 80-acre land in Maine where they've built a village and they have a whole weapons... Yeah, so anyway, I get it. That's my shirt. This is not about me. It's about you.
3: Uh,
2: After class, let's talk about your LARP character because I do need to know everything. Yes, I will
0: show you some LARPing photos uh, from the village and on our events and... uh, you know, it's quite something. But uh, so, I mean, when did you first play D and D? Like, did your sons get you into it? No, you got oh, your sons we, at the comics. We really
1: didn't play. Well, I mean, we had not played. The, they had done the uh, podcast, "My Brother, My Brother and Me," for a number of years, right? And then uh, my daughter in law, Sydney, Doctor, I it required? Doctor Sydney McElroy, uh, Justin's wife, was going to have a baby, so he needed a couple of weeks off for for paternity leave. So. He said, "We got to do some fill-in episodes of My Brother, My Brother and Me." People suggested that we play Dungeons and Dragons with you, Dad, and record that. We so said, "Yeah, what the hell?" But I, despite a lifetime of geekdom, I had never, I had never played. The boys really hadn't played. I think Griffin had played once, maybe Travis had played once, but we really weren't, as we proved in our gameplay, really didn't know what the hell we were doing. Um, but now that was really, I think, honestly, legitimately, the first time that the four of us actually played it. it definitely was for me.
0: Right, right. So, uh, do you you also dungeon master? Do you are you a game maker? I have actually
1: in the you know we did uh, three years of uh, balance art, sixty nine episodes of balance art. And Griffin was the DM. And so we knew we wanted to do some shorter, kind of experimental arcs while we tried to decide what we we're going to do with the second season, as we called it. And so I smartly followed Griffin, which you know made me <laughs> much a, a very much a pariah.
0: But I did a, uh,
1: I did a superhero slash um, spy. Slash thriller. Uh, Slash slash American history drama. Slash it was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Called Commitment. And, uh, yeah, I did the, I did, I got to DM the four episodes of that. It was a great learning experience. We had another mini-arc that Travis did called Dust, which was a supernatural western slash mystery slash God knows what. So we've uh, all taken turns... DMing, and then we're back to the second season, which is called Amnesty, which is set in contemporary times, and uh, it's kind of a monster hunter uh, story that we're we're really excited about.
0: Right, right. What do you think it is that uh, has made it so popular? (laughs) I mean, it's really insanely popular. You know, it's just. Well, I think the fact that it's uh, there's so much energy to it.
1: Um, Oh yes, there is. Griffin has put so much work into creating this wonderful story with these intricate plots and things weaving in and out and yet the, Justin and Travis and I have screwed him up at every <laughs> possible step. He, and he, he doesn't know what's coming up he knows what he's got planned but he doesn't know how we're going to react to it and I I think that's a That element that has really shaped it and made it kind of special, because you you have that improv energy going for you, and it's really kind of exciting. I know that's what made it interesting for us Mm -hmm. is really not knowing what's coming, because despite what some people have thought, Mm -hmm. we never knew what was coming. Right, Griffin would string these things on us, and then we in turn sprung things on him. Um, Right, and it's a completely different story, I think, than like from arms outstretched and and many other things where the story just (laughs) weird that way I think that that has been very compelling And, and I will go back to the fact that Griffin's story just was so deep and so rich and ended up with so much emotion and heart. I think it's the heart that really kind of made it a special story. Yeah.
2: As, a, as a person who's a fan of the podcast but not involved in it, I'm allowed to gush about it even more. Um, and I think everything Clint has said is really on the money. Um, the McElroy's have all talked before about um, kind of choosing joy in the things that they do, and I think that joy and right. heart really comes through in the story that they are collaboratively building together. Right. And I think Griffin has talked in the past, too, about... Um, the way the story is built together uh, it's kind of a way where he's giving you the blueprints and then all of you together are building this house so it does have this this thoughtful and careful and considerate core of this long arching and long overreaching story that Griffin has presented you all with but you're all building it together and
1: we're the archi- and we're the subcontractors who can't read <laughs> blueprints
0: <laughs> well let's talk about the graphic novel though an adaptation i mean how did you you know how did you work on telling the story. I mean, it's an adaptation of the podcast, the event. So, and yet, but it's in the world, so we see the characters because I, I know there's, you know, a lot of the character, you know, are only in the imagination. So now, are we locking it down? This is how they look?
1: This is how they look in this graphic. novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, really, we really want... We love Carrie so much and we trusted Carrie so much. Um, but we had a lot of input. Mm-hmm. She is an amazing collaborator
2: yeah those really are. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I'll cry don't she's live, an amazing
1: collaborator and you know she took what we had done in in this audio format and shaped it but with, oh, no. with always coming to us saying what do you think about this what do you think about that and so visually um she just added so much to the story she I said it yesterday that you know she was the cinematographer the director uh, she was the key grip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Down to the last pa. D- did
1: not do catering. No,
0: yes, I would never. Yeah. Don't trust me. Well, I will gush a little about Carrie because I have known Carrie's work for a while, and uh, I know. I think I first saw you doing little mini comics uh-huh. like uh bag. Was it a bag uh-huh. of bones? Yes, a bag of bones. Was the first time that you crossed our with a beautiful story about a dog and. Oh yeah, that was a
2: collaboration too with Chris. Yeah,
0: yeah, but yeah, no, your work has kind of been. I'd say known in the SPX world uh, indie comics I mean how did you get a social, how did you get uh, brought on to this family this family, uh, how, did join uh, this yes, family? <laughs> how did you yes become the the un you know the, the 10th McElroy <laughs> uh, it was actually literary agent literary agent Charlie Olson who put us in
2: touch to talk about possibly developing a pitch for a graphic novel adaptation of the Adventures on the podcast and I am so very glad he did. Um, I had gotten to work with the McElroys a little bit through um, the adventure zine that I co-organized with Megan Rayleigh um, which was a project supporting um, Facing Hunger, a West Virginia food bank charity, um, and I had also gotten to draw a poster for the Our first, first Boston, Boston. Adventures Zone live right. show, um, which was such such a pleasure and joy. So I've kind of I had been for years at that point, like putting as many good vibes ah, into the world about. Yeah. Hey, I would love to get to be a part of this if it happens. Oh, okay. So and we finally were... uh, met in a tavern so, after the Adventures Zone <laughs> live show to talk all about. So
0: you it. were an NPC yeah, who was just waiting to join <laughs> the game. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about what the graphic novel is, what this particular, and you know, first volume, because I bet you there might be more. If you look to the back of their yeah. book, there might
2: be an announcement just about oh, that. Right. Um I, The way I pitch Adventure Zone to my few remaining friends who have not already been sold on it by me is that it's a kind-hearted comic fantasy, mm-hmm. and I think, um, one of the things we cared most about in this adaptation mm-hmm. is making yes. sure that that tone and that sense of humor and heart really translates to the graphic yeah. novel. And I'm biased, but I think it does. Um, yeah. So if you're someone who likes fantasy, if you like Terry Pratchett, um, if you like things that kind of straddle a line between humor and deep emotional intensity,
0: I think this book is for yeah. you. Yeah, I think ter- yeah, Terry Pratchett's actually a really good call. It definitely fits into that. Uh, myth, myth adventures you know yeah. <laughs> all that all that world uh well it's definitely in that that proud tradition and uh yeah you know clint has very uh cleverly pointed me to the back of the book which i just lost but yes yeah uh here we go uh yes coming next murder on the rockport limited yes. well so you know I think
2: around new york comic-con october of this year we'll have more information on
0: that Right. Well, uh, the book has just launched here at San Diego, or it's actually been out for a little while, I believe. So, uh, Tuesday. Okay. All right. Very fresh. So it's fresh. Uh, It stinks of ink. Um, It's doing very well here. Uh, It's flying (laughs) off the shelves. You know, the live shows are gangbusters. Uh, It's a big success. So uh, you know, it's fascinating to see this gaming to podcast to comic. Mm -hmm. It's a great uh, transition. So, oh well, thank you so much. Thank you, oh, Heidi. Thank you, that you, was Heidi. a real pleasure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and good luck with all these murders and uh, <laughs> you know yeah, bad true. adventures. <laughs> it's, it's just a blood fest. <laughs> <laughs> more to come.
4: Welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at. PublishersWeekly.com slash comics. Okay, we're back in the San Diego Convention Center at the San Diego Comic-Con International, and we're at the DC booth, and I have the great pleasure to be here with Scott Snyder. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's written for so many uh, of the great heroes in the DC universe. He's written for Batman. American Vampire was an indie piece he did, really, for Vertigo, a creator-owned series for Vertigo. But obviously, uh, you name it, he's done it. I think we talked once before about All-Star Batman. uh Scott welcome uh th- thanks for being on More to Come again.
3: <laughs> oh, no, it's a pleasure. I'm glad we could do it again.
4: Yeah, uh so um I've been in really interested in um you know, I'm an indie comics guy, but then but you know there are times when you need a, a more cosmic approach to <laughs> comics again sure. and I and I return to to my roots and so I'm really interested about your the run you're doing now in Justice yeah. League. And um you know, I mean maybe you can do, maybe you can tell uh our listeners a little bit about uh, this new era of Justice League and maybe how it differs a little bit from some of the things that have come before
3: yeah well for me I mean Justice League is the book that I wanted to write since I was a kid I mean Batman has always been my favorite character but mm-hmm. to me Justice League is sort of the heart and soul of the of the DC Universe um, and you know for people who, who haven't picked it up before it, it features all the sort of uh, uh, the big seven heroes the big eight heroes you know Superman Batman Wonder Woman Aquaman Flash Green Lantern and we have Hot Girl and Martian Manhunter on the team too mm-hmm. and um our story is, is really about... It sort of takes off from um, the event we did last summer, but you don't have to have read that if, you, um, if you're just jumping in. The event was called Metal, and it ended with sort of the boundary of the entire DC universe cracking open. And so our story begins with the boundary sending something here that seems to be kind of the energy the heart of the entire universe lands on earth and nobody knows what it is and so all the heroes are trying to get to it first and decipher it and it's causing all these crazy things to happen magic is failing and cosmic energy is failing and hyper time is you know it, it's it's a lot of fun um, and meanwhile all of our greatest villains have formed a group called the legion of doom going back to that kind of super friends stuff we grew up on where you know the base and the lava coming out and then. And um, it's Lex Luthor, Joker, Cheetah, Black Manta, uh, Gorilla Grodd, and they're after it because they believe that the heart of the universe is actually evil, and, and that they're supposed to manipulate it in a way to bring us to our true destiny as a kind of a, as a people. So it's huge and cosmic and fun, um, and it features the the heroes back in the Hall of Justice, which um, hasn't really been in comics. Uh, almost at all, but certainly yeah, not the long time. About
4: that, I remember the Hall of Justice, but it,
3: it, the, it's it, not it, used a lot. Yeah, it was more a feature of the animated series, which uh-huh. I love the Dwayne McDuffie stuff and all that. And uh, what I wanted to do is, I want you out there to feel like you know the Justice League and this book is something that you could walk in off the street uh and feel included feel uh, you could feel um uh, it's celebratory it's robust and it's crazy and it's bombastic but it also says the doors are open come on in these heroes as remote and distant and and dark sometimes as they can be and 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 larger than life this book is about showing how they're they're us also and that we're all in it together and you know which side are you are you justice you go into the hall of justice or do you go into the hall of doom so I wanted it to feel very, very um, open and inclusive and I really hope that everybody out there gives it a shot because I, I, I've never been prouder of anything. You know, I really love it. Yeah, well, I was all, I'm also impressed with the artist, uh,
4: both of them. Jim, uh, Jim Chung. Jim Chung's a beast. Yeah, yes. and Jorge Jimenez. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, really, there's this great the great character design I mean you know they, you have these heroes it's a very dramatic very magisterial like images in, and then the great action scenes as well which of course you expect from, from, these, from these heroes but uh, the artist really you know is oh, yeah. always
3: an important it's the murderer's row on this book I mean and we have Francis Manipal coming in later as well but you know my staples Jim Chung and, uh, and Jorge Jimenez are just I feel incredibly lucky to work with them the energy that they bring to the page it's at once intensely emotional um, and intimate, and I want you to get to know these characters through their art. But they also have the capacity to go huge. They're two of the best in the business for that giant, epic, knockdown, dragout comic book <laughs> lunacy. And I'm very, very, um, very grateful to them for being my, you know, uh, my Justice League of art uh, on this because yeah, yeah. they're just, they're just out of this world. Um,
4: Martian Manhunter plays a, a specific role, and and it's interesting how you portray him. I mean, he's, he's somewhat insecure. Sure, in this role as the, sort
3: of the chairman of the league, yeah, yeah. Appointed? Well, I love that a Martian Manhunter. Um, he's a character. He's sort of the last surviving uh, Martian after this cataclysm. He you know destroys his planet, and he's also a telepath with these tremendous powers. And the reason I love having him be sort of the the voted um, chairman, the leader is because he can read everybody's thoughts and so it allows me to write in a way that gives sort of direct, uh, intimate, uh, sometimes uncomfortable access to all what what the heroes are worried about and makes them so human. And yet at the same time, there are things that he's so insecure about that he hides from them about his own emotions, about his own doubts and fears. Because at first he really thinks that being a good leader is protecting them from those things and what this first arc is largely about is him realizing that if he's really going to be the leader and they're all in it together then he's going to have to show them the things he's terrified of as well yeah. so yeah I love writing him he's, he's a blast and he's also like a shape-shifting superman powered, yes. crazy you know crazy powerful alien so on top of all the great emotional stuff he's just so it, intensely fun to sort of write scenes for where he morphs into an extinct space dragon yes, w- or whatever <laughs> and, and blows up that's a brilliant image yeah through.
4: thank you yeah um, well now there's also other addition, and you've, you've mentioned a whole I mean it's a really broad cast of characters in this so the, 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 the Green Lantern of course yeah. show up to in particular John Stewart and of course Lex Luthor
3: Lex Luthor is back to being evil yes I love it He's, I, I love it he, because I want to make you know he makes a pretty cogent argument in my opinion I mean justice to me is imposing upon ourselves and the world around us a better standard than what actually exists you know we don't punish wrong and reward white right which is what justice does um, naturally those things don't happen in the natural world but we say we can be better than that in our biology and, and the sort of laws of physics and we reach beyond it and Lex Luthor is like no 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 biology is destiny do meant fate in its original sort of iteration, as a uh, linguistically, and he believes that we should embrace our predatory, uh, subjectively uh, inward-looking, selfish nature, and that that's we would find we, all of this last two thousand years of civilization has been uh, a complete derailment of what w- our true potential. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of fun in that regard. And some of the characters I get to bring in, we just announced. Also, we're, we're doing a Batman Who Laughs series. Uh-huh. Oh yes, and uh, it, this is also part of the same uh, conversation for Justice League, so at the same summer event, Metal, the breakout character was a a combination of uh, well, in that event, basically, Batman has to face his worst fears, his worst nightmarish versions of himself plucked here from another dimension, so comic book insanity again, but um, one of those versions, the leader of these terrible nightmare Bruce Waynes, was one uh, that had killed the Joker on his planet as Batman, only to discover that the Joker's heart contained a toxin that made whoever killed him the next Joker. So that, that batman who laughs character is sort of a combination of the Batman and the Joker, and he's extremely dark, he's sort of scarier than the Joker, and so we're doing a miniseries with him, and it begins in Justice League. Um, it sort of has its, its origins in Justice League number 7, and then it's its own standalone series, I'm doing it with Jock, uh, who I did uh, Black Mirror with it was my first big Batman story. We're going back to our horror roots, and uh, he's coming to storm Gotham, and he's bringing a, a new evil Batman with him that he plucks from another dimension. It's almost like a Punisher Batman. It's going to be really the deadliest sort of the deadliest man alive, is sort of the way we, we look at him. So he's sort of Bruce's nightmare about what if he broke his code and started using lethal force. So it's going to be an insane. It's going to be an insane miniseries, and then. What it sets up rolls forward into Justice League Dark and Justice League Odyssey, the sister books to Justice League and to Justice League itself. So what we're planning is really this big architecture that runs from Metal through No Justice into Justice League and then really blows out summer of next year into Okay. Um, just quickly, um, uh, I am. I am curious,
4: and I'm sure to listen. Sorry. I mean, how do you bring these stories together? I mean, are there giant reader? I mean, uh, writer meetings? I mean, do you retreat to your own fortress of solitude? I know. Or, uh, <laughs>
3: if only, if only I had one with those cool crystals. No. Um, we've we've been really lucky. I mean, these guys, the people I'm working with right now. Um, uh, Josh Williamson and James Heinen and, uh, Robin Diddy and, you know, on Hawkman and, uh, uh, Joel Jones on Catwoman, Tom King on Batman, Brian Bendis on Superman. I mean, and we really are friends, genuinely. I, I, it's the best sort of bench that DC has ever had, in my opinion, creatively and also in terms of collaborative, um, collaborative, uh, 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 investment, and so we do. We have summits about every four to five months. But mm. me and the guys in the Justice League group talk pretty much every day. You know, they're my, my close friends. So getting to go to your dream job with some of your yeah. closest friends is is a very very fun thing. And I feel very grateful to everybody who's picked up the books and allowed us to do that. Well, I
4: you know I'm, I'm like I said I'm returning to my roots in the Justice League, and it's been a lot of fun. Love the art, love the storytelling. So can't wait to do that. I'm on issue three, so I'm going to get up to give four when I'm done with the no convention. Worries. And there's a lot more to look forward from what I hear. So. Oh yeah,
3: it just gets bigger and crazier. Uh, we, we really can't wait for you guys to see what we have planned. So again, thank you so much.
4: Absolutely. And thanks to you uh, Scott for being uh, on a More to Come Again. Much At, appreciated. Anytime. I'll, let's do it again soon. Alright.